Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast bringing you into honest conversations about climate action. Together, we'll talk to business owners, experts, activists, and others who are working on circular economy initiatives on the ground. We'll uncover what we're doing right, where people are going wrong, and what needs to be done to change the system to value people and the planet. Together, we're making the impossible possible. Hello, and welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. My name is Erin Andrews. As always, I'm your host, and I'm also the founder and executive director of the Impact Zero Foundation, which is the organization that is bringing you this podcast. This week, I don't really have a ton of stuff to necessarily like promote or plug, but I did want to do a shout out for an online course that I've been taking. It's hosted by the University of Alberta, and it's available on Coursera. This is not an ad. No one's paying me to say this. It's just a really great course that I've been doing myself. I haven't been doing it very quickly. I'm intentionally doing it slowly so I can really absorb all of the information because there's a lot coming at you. But I really wanted to share it because I think that this is something that my audience or that you specifically would want to know about. So the course itself is called Indigenous Canada. And I saw it flying around Instagram a little while ago, but I wanted to kind of resurface it because it's still available. It's still free. If you want to get a certification, I think it's like $60 to get that, but you can do the entire course for free online and it's completely self-taught. I've learned a lot from the course right now. I'm in no way ready to be sharing the information with anybody in from a place of like being an educator at all, but it is a good place to start if you are looking for some foundational information about the Indigenous people's experience on Turtle Island pre-contact, during first contacts, and up until now. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'll put the link to the course in the show notes so you can go and register for yourself. And it's just something that has been really helping me better understand Indigenous culture, Indigenous experiences, and really like an academic view at how European contact impacted Indigenous communities, both positively at the beginning, but then how it turned, I would say, like sour, for lack of a better word. If that's something you're interested, highly recommend. Okay, if we go back to regularly scheduled programming, this week we're going to be talking to somebody who is working on growing a platform in Toronto that is all about creating the rental market. So if you've lived in Toronto, you probably know that it can be difficult to sometimes know your neighbors if you live in a condo. Sometimes people don't really know who's around. And community can sometimes be lacking in big cities. So what this platform is doing is creating a way to connect people with like-minded values, I would say, and to connect them to be able to rent things from one another to really promote and honestly build the sharing economy in the city. So... The platform that we're going to be talking about is called Recify, and the person who's going to be helping us understand this platform and all of their unique experiences is Ziad Elshabagi. He's the Toronto Growth Manager for the platform, so he's been um, trying to get people on it, testing it out, doing a lot of partnerships with rental organizations that already exist in Toronto, 
So they're really great at bringing people together, um, which is something that I really love about their whole thing. If you end up signing up on Recify, um, we would love it if you would use the code Impact Zero, which is our affiliate code, because what happens then is you'll get 35 Ruck Bucks towards your first rental. And at the same time, when that first transaction goes through, then Recify will donate $10 to the Impact Zero Foundation. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. You get to try out a new rental platform, and you're also supporting the foundation at the same time. So it's Impact Zero, all one word. And when you sign up for your account, you just put that in in the sign-up form, and you're good to go. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with Ziad. We go into a lot of different components of the sharing economy, like other benefits apart from like the financial benefit or the environmental benefit. I really hope that you get a lot out of this as much as I did. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Ziad. Hey, Ziad, welcome to the Inner Circle. How are you doing today? Hi, Erin. Thanks so much uh, for having me. Happy to be here. I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, Friday. We've had a busy week on this side, so uh, happy to kick uh, off the weekend and to be here with you today. Absolutely. The only thing in between you and the weekend is this <laughs> recording. <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really pumped to chat with you. So um, I know we've chatted before already to talk about kind of the stuff that you work on, what you're working on with Ruckify. Um, but so the listeners know, I'd like to know a little bit about how you got into sustainability and the work that you do now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here located in uh, Toronto, and uh, my official title with Ruckify is Toronto Growth Manager. Uh, but uh, I got into sustainability, you know, long time ago personally as a mindset uh, shift for me. Uh, you know, I started implementing the reuse, uh, repair, and repurpose model into my life, uh, and then got introduced to the fourth R, which is rent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I've been someone who, who always used to enjoy giving life to his products or finding other products that can suit me without paying full price. I used to be on the Buns app a lot, uh, which is uh, an app for trading items. Um, and then uh, this um, during this pandemic, actually, is when I stumbled upon Rockify or the concept of a rental marketplace. I really wanted to um, exercise during the lockdown and uh, went to the harbor front to do my jogging. And I realized a lot of people on the waterfront uh, were kayaking or using their stand-up paddle boards. And, uh, you know, it's, I stopped and asked myself, is this the only way to kayak or jump on a paddle board to go get this kayak at a full price and then have it, you know, sit in my condo for that long? <laughs> and the answer was no. Uh, there was a run- rental marketplace that existed, uh, which is Rockify. And I got to rent my uh, kayak on there from an owner that was living in the same uh, area that I was living in. And I only paid them for uh, a daily rental. So I got to experience I guess the experience itself uh, without having uh, you know, to pay that item at full price and without having to worry about keeping that item later on uh, in my tiny condo. Mm-hmm. That's such a, I love it, that story because it shows the need 
to have the sharing, especially somewhere like Toronto or in big cities where people aren't necessarily able to own everything and keep everything cooped up where they're living. So that's a really fun, fun example. I love that. So basically what Ruckify does is you, you guys are building infrastructure that we need in Toronto to make sharing things easier. And this, what us circular economy people like to call it, is the sharing economy, as you know. Um, So can you actually explain for the listeners a little bit about what the sharing economy is and how Ruckify is working to kind of ignite that again? Absolutely. Well, you know, simply put, the uh, sharing economy, or some that might refer to it as the circular economy as well, is really just an economic model or framework uh, where members of the economy share or exchange their goods and services together uh, to benefit the well-being of all of the economy. This actually started way back uh, during the Great Depression. Uh, So the sharing economy has a little bit of a history. And during the Great Depression, people... uh, didn't necessarily have the money or the economic empowerment or capital to buy cars, bikes, fridges even, and stoves. Um, And so uh, they started bartering with each other. They figured out that a neighbor, uh, they figured out that my neighbor has something that I don't have and they want something that I have, but they don't. And so uh, that's where the sharing concept started. Now, the sharing economy in modern day Again, it is also the same framework of exchanging goods and services. We we usually see uh, two opposites of the spectrum. Uh, One spectrum is buying something or selling it, and that's the buy and sell. But with that, uh, the product is bought, and then that's it. You own the product. You're not sharing it with anyone. And so it ends up being with you, and the life cycle of that product stays with you. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum, there's trading or bartering that started all the way in the Great Depression, and pretty much you're giving away uh, that product. The sharing economy is a hybrid between both, where you can share items with community members for them to benefit from while still keeping that item with you and extending its life cycle. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And actually... Um, You mentioned that that was kind of a really popular thing around the Great Depression era, but it even makes me think of the original North American economy between uh, indigenous groups. Like that was the original thing, right? Like the fur trade um, happened when colonizers came, but this seems to be how things kind of originally were to be sharing and like to to say, okay, this thing is worth this to me. What is it worth to you when you're trading item for item? But what I think is so interesting with like Ruckify's model is that similar to Buns, how it's it's more of that barter system where it's like, this is what this is to me. What is this to you? Ruckify has like the, it's like a, almost like a more modern, I guess, way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word to use because people are just renting it and then giving it back to the person who who owns it. It's like covering that hybrid between the linear economy concept of ownership, but then still letting kind of the utility of the product be high when they're when they're giving it to people who are going to use it when you're not. So what's the business case then for Ruckify to be able to offer this rental service? Like, how does it work? So we are a uh, peer-to-peer rental platform marketplace on the website or on Ruckify app. 
members simply uh, join the platform and then they can start posting their own items uh, for rent. So you don't need any initial capital. You just need to look around your place and find what may profit or help others in terms of uh, uh, equipment or items that you can rent. Uh, to give you a brief example, again, during the lockdown of the pandemic, I really wanted to make banana bread as everyone everyone was uh, in the baker uh, mode. But, you know, I didn't have a fancy kitchen aid machine to mix the bread dough together and neither did I have the counter uh, top space for it. And so I looked in my community, I jumped on the platform and typed kitchen aid machine. And lo and behold, I found three owners uh, within the community that had these machines posted on Rockify. So I rented it from them, met the owner curbside, um, and then used uh, the machine and then dropped it back to them. Everything has ha- happened seamlessly through the app. Uh, so um, to run you th- briefly through the life cycle of the rental, members post their item on the store and they set their availability, their rates, their pictures, and all the info. And then they promote it through their dashboard, hence why the KitchenAid machine popped up on uh, my dashboard when I opened my app. And then I sent a rental request for the owner or the member to approve, and I met them for the handoff. Now, for the handoff, you can meet them in person, but there's also an option for Rockify Express Delivery, which is a door-to-door delivery to, to, you know, in line with the socially distant guidelines. And then that's it. I received the rent, the item for the rental period. And um, afterwards, once the item is returned, the owner received their own, the payment through the app. So I guess uh, another benefit of that is that everything was paperless mm-hmm. and everything was done virtually through an app. And uh, all the information was uh, placed on my side in terms of the dashboard and on the owner's side as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it a lot easier too, to have the, the transaction and like all of that stuff happen on the app. So then you're not like, I don't know, posting on Facebook being like, Hey, does someone have a KitchenAid that I can use? It really centralizes you to one platform where you can exchange um, or rent your, your items and for others to be looking for these items to rent as well. So which brings me to the second point. So you can actually join the app to post your own items there for the rent, as I mentioned, for that rental cycle, generate some income of these items. You know, they, they always say collect dollars instead of collecting dust. But you can just only just join the platform to find items you are looking for for yourself. Uh, whether it's hobby-based items or need-based items that you can rent uh, from other community members as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you got stuff lying around, you might as well make some money off of it and increase the utilization or utility of the product in circular economy terms. Yes. Or you can rent it, have it only for the time that you need it, and then give it back to its rightful owner at the end. Correct. Exactly. Yes. That's awesome. It seems, and and that's like so important because yeah, like people could go on Facebook and like do that trading, but we all know it's inconvenient and, and whatnot. So like the thing that really stands out to me about Recify is that at the foundation, we're all about like system solutions. So like putting in place infrastructure needed to actually enable these things to really happen when you think about like the incentive structure. So like making some money off of it, um, if you're the seller or you can just borrow something if you're the buyer. 
And then it's just a, a really easy way and convenient space to, to have this transaction done. So I really love like the system side of it. I, I can nerd out on that forever. <laughs> And it's exactly, you know what, and speaking of the system and being a technologically driven system, and you just mentioned earlier, well, instead of just going on Facebook, and that's an important thing because every member that joins Ruckify is verified through our three-step process uh, verification to make sure that each member on there is credible and then the items that they're posting uh, guarantee a return. So, you know, to simply put it, there, there's some financial benefits, I guess, to being on the Ruckify platform. You're creating your own independent income without having to rely on anyone uh, to rent that item for you. Uh, it's mm-hmm. free to sign up. So there's no membership fees or startup fees. And there's an option as well to provide delivery. So you're not limited geographically in the scope of sharing your items with other community members uh, you know, beyond your neighborhood. You also get to pick your own time. You control when you want to be on the app and when you want these items to be shared. So if, if a KitchenAid machine is something that you use personally as a baker, you can rent it out when you're not using it as a baker to extend its life cycle and generate income from it. And we also provide insurance, which I think is really important to provide ease of mind uh, for members when they're renting out their items uh, to know that these items will be insured. Part of the insurance, um, uh, we collaborate with Northbridge, uh, but you also have the option to um, place your own damage deposit as well. And and going back to creating uh, the platform or the hub to empower people to utilize um, the sharing economy, on your Rockify store, or as I mentioned earlier, on that dashboard, there's a couple of tools that the owners or the renters can use. Paperless invoicing, the insurance protection, uh, the payment processing is all uh, happening online where payments float until the rental is completed. And you also get to check on your dashboard as well, performance measurement by monitoring and seeing what how your items are doing and if people are renting them out uh, or not. And it's a great way to manage your inventory. If you have a couple of items laying around, the dashboard is a great, great way to showcase you what you have available and what you have available for rent. Yeah, I really like that. And um, something that people have asked me in the past when we talk about like this whole sharing economy, one of the, I guess, doubts that people maybe present to me as an argument why this will never work is that insurance piece? So like, what what if the person doesn't return it? Like, what's going to happen there? So it sounds like you guys have like a pretty solid way of at least insuring it in the event that it doesn't come back. But does that happen often? Like, do you have any numbers on that of the people that do return it versus the people that don't? Right. So I, I can I can run you through pretty much how insurance works. Okay. And just a quick run through. So what does the insurance cover? We cover theft and damage, and the insurable value can go up to $50,000. And during the sign-up process, all of our users actually agree to the service agreements. So that that holds uh, liability. It pretty much includes a hold harmless and a third-party identification clause for the renters as well. And if you decide to opt out for insurance, uh, you can decide to opt in for a damaged deposit. So uh, what what happens if an issue occurs? Um, You know, and a lot of people ask that question. The claim must be submitted within 24 hours of the booking end date. 
uh, we have a trust and safety team that will determine exactly the best course of action depending on the situation and the information provided. And we always say a best practice with the rental marketplace is to always test the item, take pictures and videos of it before using it and when you're returning it back. So you have kind of proof of how that item operated before and after um, the rental. And you can actually submit a couple of claims. Claim resolutions can be in regards to repair if you feel that the item return needs some repair after use or replace or payout. And all of these claims are um, uh, verified and processed by your trust and safety team, and they get in touch with you right away with the next steps uh, in terms of the claims um, status as well. I really like that you have a repair clause in there as an option. So it's not just like, oh, well, you have to get a new one. Sorry. I mean, for, for watercraft categories, for example, like kayaks and stand-up paddle boards, we had members on Rockify that were renting them out all through the season, especially uh, this summer. Uh, so to have a repair clause is only fair as, you know, we understand on our back end that some items do have wear and tear to them. Definitely. And then like, because I, I think that having that um, sense of comfort is one of the good things that helps people kind of get more on board with this because a lot of people who you probably talk to think that this is like a really cool idea, but there are always so many questions being like, well, is it really going to work? Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's really good to know that everything is kind of up and running and there haven't been, at least not that I've heard of any huge issues with things not being returned or not having a fair resolution for things that maybe weren't returned perfectly if that happens. Yeah, no, and in my time with 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 Rockify and the marketplace, I haven't witnessed uh, either a resolution that went unsolved or uh, you know um, an issue that we couldn't handle with our trust and safety team. So, uh, and then again, going back to the idea of it being a secure platform in the first place yeah. by having a three-step verification process, much much like. Airbnb and Uber, uh, we, we already have members that are credible and understand the process on both the renters and the owner side. So if, if, if any member is found to be negligent or, you know, breaks the service agreement or is found to be discriminatory against others, they can be easily banned from the platform. The idea here is to create a, a community uh, of like-minded individuals that care for one another's products and know that these items will empower them. And that's how the sharing economy grows and uh, we become uh, mindset shifters. Exactly. And it's so good that you get people to like live that circular economy lifestyle. It's very tangible. So on the note though, of having the, the rental fee for someone to say, either if you're on the seller side, you can get like 20 bucks a day for whatever. Or if you're on the buyer side, you pay 20 bucks a day to be able to go do whatever you need to do. Do you see that um, most of the things that are being posted and being borrowed on the platform are on the more like expensive end? Because um, just imagining how that would work, even as a consumer myself, like if, if I was looking to go rent something, at a certain point, it's like, okay, the price of renting isn't really worth it. Like I might as well just go buy it. You know what I mean? Like there's always going to be stuff like that. But do you see that the Ruckify stores are mostly those like expensive once in a while products? Right. Uh, I, I would 
I would say no. Uh, the products are fairly priced on there. Again, it's, it's up to the owner of the product to decide uh, the pricing and the value on there and also how the pricing is set. So items can be priced daily. They can be priced hourly. They can be priced weekly. You can have a weekend special pricing on there as well. But the whole goal here is to have these items priced fairly and uh, within the average realm of rental pricing so that you're enticed to utilize the sharing economy and rent that item rather than going into the store and uh, paying it for it at full price. Now, uh, you're not alone when you join the platform. So first of all, you can reference similar items within your category when you're creating uh, your Rockify store and placing your items on there by seeing what other members are pricing their items. So if I want to put my camera lens today and my camera body, there's a couple of other owners on there that have their lenses and bodies so I can gauge the price point from there. If I'm still struggling to place a price point on my item that is being reasonable, we have a customer support team that can help with that. Uh, they have um, a kind of their own algorithm of dictating what would be a suitable price point for the rental item, uh, depending on its rental frequency, and they can be reached right away through the hotline or through our live chat feature. If uh, the customer um, success team doesn't uh, have that information, we also have a curation team, a Rockify store curation team that specializes into, um, into inputting these prices and creating and helping you actually curate your own store, whether it comes to the, uh, the store aesthetic aspect uh, itself or the information included on each rental item that you have posted. Okay, so you, since people uh, set their own prices, then it's almost like you're making like a secondary free market <laughs> for sharing. Because it's like, if you're not selling it, obviously you have to to reduce the price if, it, if people are not going to be renting from you. So it's kind of like self-adjusting then, right? To give you a, a pointer to that in terms of a success story that I've witnessed on my side in terms of adjusting an item to be reasonably priced, and within everyone's means. My city bike, my commute city bike, I placed it on the app to be rented for, I believe, $5 a day. Mm. You know, when you look at, let's say, the, the bike share, you know, it, it ends up being around 15 to 20 bucks for a daily rental. So I really wanted to place my city bike with the price that is incentivizing. Mm. And what happened was very interesting. Um, during the summer, I kept receiving <laughs> rental requests for my bike almost from the same person or from the same group of people, I would say. Specifically, one person, let's call him uh, Jason. He was renting my bike consistently every Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mm. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. I'm like, this is great for me. I'm you know, making income on the side. <laughs> I'm still using my city bike. Someone else is enjoying it. Um, at one point, I um, meet uh, Jason um, by, by the curbside. I'm like, Jason, why are you renting my bike? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. I'm not opposed to it, but I'm just curious. Why are you renting my bike in at, at kind of a schedule during summertime? Like it's been a couple of, it's been the, the summer, you know, it's been during summer. 
And he was like, well, I checked for bikes because I really wanted a bike. First of all, everything on the market that is available is within the $100, $1,000 mark range because it's all the fancy then speed bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, it was July. So I told him, yeah, people who want to buy bikes usually buy them in March or April uh, if you want to get a regular city bike. But of course, what was available on the market was the high-end ones. Second of all, he said he lives um, all the way in Brampton and he, his dream was to try to do um, Uber Eats or food delivery fulfillment uh, in downtown Toronto because it wasn't as common in Brampton. So he said, I found you on Rockify. I pretty much take the GO train from Brampton to the city, meet you, take your bike, uh, work, do Uber Eats throughout the day. And because your bike rental is only $5 a day, it's covered immediately by my tips. And then at the end of the day, once I've secured uh, my income from, from the job, I return the bike to you and I go back on transit freehand without a bike to worry about. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) It was the aha moment for me. I was like, wow, that is very smart because now you don't have to worry about returning with a bike. If you're living outside of the city, you've allowed yourself to have the opportunity to generate income by renting an item from the sharing economy. So you see, it's funny because we can put these items and generate income from them as the owner's perspective from my side, but he's also generating income from utilizing that item itself, much like how a baker would use a KitchenAid uh, machine rental to start their own baking business or a photographer using uh, photography gear to capture content for their website. And, you know, he doesn't have to worry about the maintenance of the bike, the storage of the bike, but it creates an economic opportunity for him. Mm. So that's what happened when I priced my item, uh, you know, at a reasonable price point on the platform. I earned a reasonable income from it, but also the item was utilized and being used to to its full potential. So it's almost like me and Jason were sharing at the bike for the entire season of summer. That to me is what the sharing economy is about. Wow. I really love that story. And that makes me think of actually some business advice that I was given at one point where you want to not eliminate entirely because that's maybe not possible, but significantly reduce the fixed cost of running your business and going more with the variable cost. So it's like, if you get a sale, then you have to spend the money kind of thing. And that's a great example of making it more accessible, especially if someone A, doesn't want to, or maybe doesn't have the upfront capital to to purchase one on their own, but then they use it in a really innovative way to eventually maybe be able to purchase their own, or maybe it's not worth ever purchasing your own. Like why bother owning it if you don't have to? Absolutely. And you've mentioned the whole idea of rent before you buy. There's some factors as to why the sharing economy has has become in demand. And one of those factors is hobby items or need-based items. So renting it and trying it before buying it at full price, I think is important. If, if I decided I want to delve into photography, uh, you know, buying a $400 Sony camera and then realizing, you know, this is not my avenue mm-hmm. is a little more difficult than renting the camera for maybe 30, 40 bucks a day, uh, trying it out, seeing if this is the right fit before perhaps making a permanent purchase 
on it. And if you do decide to make a permanent purchase, then you can rent this item as well for other photographers or community members to benefit from. You see, it becomes a cycle of empowering one another through these items we already have. Mm-hmm. Totally. And like the way when I was initially learning about Recify, I was mostly thinking of it from that individual perspective. Right. But like businesses, there are so many things that like you won't have the capital for to buy it outright in the early days. Mm-hmm. So like having like a, even like a business facing like subgroup or if, if you were to do a Recify store like myself, for example, then it's like targeted at business people then that would be really interesting because it's making starting a business cost less for the individuals who are starting them. Absolutely. Well, can I give you an example now that you've mentioned businesses? Yeah, yeah. Um, You've seen how we've had stage two, stage three here in Toronto. We've been back and forth with the lockdowns. And the, the industry that has been affected the most has been the restaurant industry and and small business operators, you know, uh, that uh, are operating their family-run businesses. Now, what I've noticed when we reverted back to stage two and uh, restaurants had to only operate um, uh, outdoors in the patio was the patio tent rentals. Restaurants didn't necessarily have the income prepared, especially after a tumultuous year, uh, to uh, get a whole uh, tent set up. Thankfully, on Ruckify, we have our event and uh, party rentals category, uh, which we have rentals, uh, tent rentals on there. So we would see um, business owners and operators running restaurants rent these tents on a monthly basis, knowing that this is a temporary solution with uh, government regulations regarding COVID. Another item also would be the pyramid or the patio heaters that we have under the event and party category as well. We would see business owners renting that as well. Because again, when you're extending your patio season all the way to November and December, for temporary guidelines that are over 28 days, you don't necessarily want to buy an entire tent structure permanently uh, (laughs) alongside the patio theaters because once indoor dining gets back, where are you going to put this tent and when else were you going to be using it when we uh, go to sub-zero temperatures? So that's another way to empower restaurants uh, as well is to be able to rent these high-priced items for a short period of time at a reasonable renting price. So that's how we can involve businesses and uh, local shops uh, in the sharing economy as well. Or um, restaurants who um, had a lot of excess inventory of industrial kitchen equipment during the pandemic, uh, and they were um, operating at a much smaller scale, they had the opportunity to rent these industrial-grade kitchen equipment for other businesses or operators or even individuals to use. That's so interesting. Yeah, because we always talk about how circular economy or um, if businesses were to implement circular tactics into their business, yeah. um, whether it's like selling their waste, or in this case, if they were to rent out underutilized capital assets, mm-hmm. it's introducing an additional revenue stream for them. And I was actually reading, oh, I've, I've been reading this uh, book called The Circular Economy Handbook. And I was looking at like the more industrial side of like manufacturing and um, and commercial businesses. Yeah. But one of the key opportunities to tackle 
natural resource extraction is to be able to easily share those really large like machinery that basically either isn't used overnight or it's not used at a specific um, during a specific season. So that makes a lot of sense. And and Ruckify could totally um, help businesses do that, even like right now. You know what? Absolutely. And you mentioned a great point. Machinery as well. Ruckify has uh, on on the platform, we have uh, heavy equipment on there. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that could be um, used uh, for construction purposes or uh, building purposes or development businesses. So again, uh, these equipment are huge and their carbon footprint emission is uh, insane, let alone having, uh, you know, a crane, buying a crane that is brand new or buying these heavy machineries at full price and then just utilizing it for a project. And it, it also occupies immense land space as well. So to be able to incorporate heavy equipment or machinery into the sharing economy um, and go beyond just like uh, household items, I think is a win uh, for the sharing economy. Mm-hmm. Because the heavy machinery is like, why would you make, t- like imagine if everybody, like two people shared one a lot of times, the impact of not having to manufacture those massive pieces of machinery is so huge. Like obviously the individual contributions as well, like if like KitchenAids are also like very intense to create or to manufacture. So there's some, some impact there as well, but it's really good to know that you guys have the the heavy machinery section too, because like all the business, think of all the businesses, all the construction people, all like the workshops, if you're like a woodworking person, Again, not only is it more accessible and you only purchase it or I guess rent it when you need it, um, but you can rent it from someone who already has one instead of perhaps a company that has a ton and maybe are still underutilized. I really like that, how you can facilitate partnerships that way. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned uh, woodworking, which brings me actually to how Rockify started. Back then, uh, our uh, founder, Steve Cody, uh, there was a storm that blew in Ottawa uh, and a tree came falling down right in front of his house. And he wanted a uh, a circular saw at that point to cut the tree because it was a hazard. Um, And it was very stormy during that day. and, and, And he was like, okay, well, where am I going to go buy a circular saw right now? And he was certain that somehow, somewhere in the immediate neighborhood, someone had a circular saw in their garage. And lo and behold, um, the co-founder uh, Bruce Linton had one. And that's where the idea came to them. They're like, uh-huh. If, 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 if I didn't have a platform or a marketplace that showcases me that you had that circular saw in, in the same neighborhood, I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have utilized it. It wouldn't have, it, you know, and the app is being proposed as a solution-oriented app. You know, he would have went and probably bought one at an expensive price and kept it uh, with limited use. So that's where, uh, that's how Rocketfy was born. Oh, that's funny. And um, I'm just thinking now, like since it's it's locally based as well, like people who are already in your area, I guess there's also an angle to that where you're reducing the emissions of someone like shipping it back and forth. I know you mentioned there's a delivery process. How does the delivery work? If like I didn't want to go and like meet the person, you guys have someone that will come and do the trade for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Ruckify Express. And pretty much we want to make renting as convenient, if not more than buying. Um, So we we started an on-demand and a touchless delivery program that's available in cities with our active marketplace. And people just can opt in to have their rental items delivered to them the same way you can have food delivered to you curbside to curbside with a driver that is wearing PPE equipment and has all the items sanitized and drops them off to you curbside, much like, um, much like Uber. You, you uh, literally track the item as it's being delivered to you. Uh, the good news is the Rockify delivery costs come to no cost at the owner, but to the renter themselves. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And then just going back to the point of building a marketplace in, ge- in your, in your ge- geographical area, Rockify is, marketplace is actually present across Canada and North America. In Canada, we operate here in Toronto, Ontario, and in Ottawa, Ontario as well. But we also operate in Calgary, Alberta, and Vancouver, BC. And um, across the border um, uh, to our American folks, we operate in um, Austin, Texas, and uh, we operate in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and in Denver, Colorado as well. Mm, Actually, that brings up the point that I didn't write this on my notes, but I did want to ask you um, when we chatted, because the way that you guys approach it is in like this hub style, like city by city, which is very, very similar. Actually, that's exactly like the same idea that we have with the foundation. Like we're working solely in Toronto right now. And people ask us like, are you expanding across Canada? I'm like, not sweeping. No, right now we're starting in a hub. And our reasoning for that is because especially circular economy initiatives and having these sharing systems, I think is very similar to this. It's like you focus on the local solutions first. You can't have an international solution if you haven't mastered a city. So that's kind of the approach that you guys are taking as well, right? Correct. Our approach, uh, you know, started as a grassroots approach is to look at uh, cities where the potential of a sharing economy, you know, is deemed uh, to be utilized and deemed to be successful and first uh, focus on being a solution-oriented app in the current economy and the hub that we are operating in before we expand. You know, and we just before we go mass scale, we want to make sure that uh, members, let's say in Toronto, are adopting uh, the sharing economy by utilizing the app. The members are actually posting their items for rent and that they're gaining economic benefits by having that side hustle and generating income from the brand or building the community. So, you know, in terms of the pillars, like building the community by creating trust and credibility, uh, neighborhood empowerment. If, if I know what's in the neighborhood in terms of these uh, rental items, the entire neighborhood gets empowered. So community development is important. And as I mentioned, econ- the economic aspect to develop it is important for people to actually successfully use the platform, generate income of it, or also be empowered by the items they have. And then the environmental aspect of it. It's a mindset, a mind shift change. People need to understand that the product can have an extended life cycle and it doesn't necessarily need to depreciate at a rate um, you know, that is related to consumerism where uh, you know, we buy the product, we probably get buyer's remorse from it and then we toss it in our local landfill uh, without sharing it uh, or giving it a new life. 
like I said, in terms of the environmental uh, development or the environmental aspect in the city first, utilizing an app with no paper tracing that is paperless, I think is a win as well. And um, we here uh, on, on Ruckify, we also partnered with the Eden Reforestation Project. And uh, it, with, with their help, we plant a tree with every new member, uh, with every rental app, a rental transaction on the app and with every review as well. So uh, Eden Reforestation Project helps us by employing local villagers where there's tree scarcities in, in the area uh, and local villagers help us plant those trees on behalf of the Rockify members. So it's important to, I guess, checklist the economic benefit, the community development and the environmental sustainability aspect uh, of the platform first within a given hub or city uh, on a grassroots level before we go ahead and expand on a national level or an international level. The idea of the app here is to really help people adopt the sharing economy and not just expand across the globe and that's it without <laughs> actual member retention and believability that comes along with it. Yeah, take over internationally, but really no one's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> right so uh-huh. that's awesome actually I, I was curious to know like obviously there are a lot of successes within Recify, and maybe one of the barriers is that you have to go like city by city and it's not necessarily quick growth which for any business can maybe be a little bit stressful in the early days mm-hmm. but I wanted to know kind of in raising awareness about the sharing economy in helping people be incentivized to participate in the sharing economy. Are there any barriers that you've been experiencing that maybe are making it hard to get people on board with this? Like what are the top, I guess, issues that people come to you with when they're just learning about this concept? Absolutely. I think the biggest issue that I have been facing or a learning curve is the lack of education on what an actual sharing economy is mm-hmm. uh, in terms of tools uh, being provided to explain how a sharing economy works or how to participate in the sharing economy. And that's why Impact Zero and the Circular Economy chapter here in Toronto are key to, to first of all, connecting people that are willing to, to speak to the sharing economy and expand the sharing economy within our given hub or city but also to educate people on what the sharing economy is. Uh, a lot of people have mixed conceptions, but if they do understand the sharing economy, they do not know where to start. And uh, so maybe bringing them on a platform that supports the rental marketplace and the sharing economy uh, could, could be a starting point. But number one is lack of education about what the sharing economy is. I feel like Businesses um, and, you know, communities don't have enough tools or trade marketing uh, to explain to people how the sharing economy works. And while it could be considered a relatively new concept, it's, it's been there for a long time. But it's good to see now that we're having platforms that support it. Uh, we're having initiatives like Impact Zero and the Circular Economy to bring like-minded individuals uh, and advocate uh, for it, so uh, we there, there is definitely growth and progress, but members, our immediate community members, and businesses in general, uh, local or otherwise, it would be nice to have educational tools provided to them to be able to learn more about the sharing economy and its benefits. 
Yeah. And that's a barrier I think that a lot of businesses who are doing this kind of work are are faced with, unfortunately, because most people that I know who have transitioned from like a linear lifestyle and they're trying to be more circular, it always starts, it seems like with like single use plastics or something that's um, very tangible and something that maybe um, is a couple steps before they get to understanding the the benefits of sharing economy, right? Like first it's like, okay, I don't want to use straws. And then it's like, okay, I don't want to use plastic. And then I want to buy secondhand. And then you're like, oh wait, maybe what if I just share? Like, it seems like there are a lot of hurdles that people have to get over once they're kind of initiated into this like environmental mindset to fully grasp the concept of sharing economy. So yeah, I don't know if you've experienced that as well. If it's like, hey, people get plastic, but like it takes a, like a couple steps before they get a little bit more down the rabbit hole to understand the need for this. Uh, you know, absolutely. And just to go on to the topic of plastic, another barrier is that cities don't have waste management infrastructures set in place uh, for people to clearly either dispose of their waste, compose it, or recycle it. So even if we're going that route, there's still barriers into understanding if I do recycle that item, uh, will it actually be recycled to the standards that I'm expecting? And at what time frame and with what scope and who is purviewing the recycling process? So infrastructure in terms of waste management is lacking, but also infrastructure to support uh, the sharing economy is still uh, in its infant phase. I mean, having a platform or an app like Rockify is a great first step uh, to put us, you know, on the map. Uh, But still, uh, there needs to be infrastructure and education that relates to that. And the other thing as well is convenience, right? In order for us to reach a level where the sharing economy or uh, moving from linear to circular kind of consumer habits, we would have to make it convenient to share our products together or to share these items, right? So uh, implementing technology-based platforms or marketplaces that are online are easily accessible uh, for people, I think is is one point. And then the other thing is in general, as humans, um, it seems that we still have strong, I guess, maybe emotional attachment to products we have that we linger onto them for much longer than we think without them actually uh, helping us or empowering us in the community. So as a society in general, we do tend to still have a materialistic approach uh, to what brings us in general happiness and what is considered a tool for productivity and motivation might not necessarily be the case. Uh, So I guess three things here to recap (laughs) the question you asked me, you know, uh, the barriers, uh, lack of education and tools. That's number one. Number two, waste management infrastructure or infrastructure set in place uh, to promote the sharing economy. And number three, convenience by having a platform uh, or a hub or, uh, or an educational source uh, that can cut through the, the habit of consumerism and linear purchases. And I guess an additional one, number four, is humans' mindset uh, and materialistic approach towards tangible items that necessarily give them phantom value without actually giving them the value that they're seeking uh, to develop and be empowered. 
Mm-hmm. I love that word phantom value. I've never heard that before, but I'm totally here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think also something really cool that you guys do is like helping people dip their toes into sharing economy and not just on the rental platform, but through the events that you host with business partners who offer some sort of rental. So do you want to give us like a really quick overview of what that's like and kind of the feedback that you're getting from these types of events? Absolutely. Um, the division is called Rockify Adventures. Under Rockify Adventures, we either work with existing uh, owners or suppliers across different categories and create or create an event to bring uh, members together by building the community and also supporting uh, that business. So um, an example, during uh, the month of September, we partnered with iPaddle Adventures on the beaches here at uh, Balmy Beach on the waterfront. And um, they used uh, Leverage Rockify as an on-site rental partner where members can book their stand-up paddle boards through the Rockify app in advance Everything was paperless. Uh, I've had all received uh, paperless invoices and booking confirmation notifications. And so we ran a series of events with them all through September. So we ran three events uh, with them. And because at that point, a stand-up paddle board was considered an individual watercraft and with the whole socially distant parameters, we were like, great, everyone's going to be socially distant <laughs> on their own stand-up paddle board. And we did an intro to um, stand-up paddle boarding, which is a lot, which is something that a lot of people were interested in trying this summer, but didn't necessarily find an intro class for it. And iPaddle's uh, instructor Gina was kind enough to give uh, a demo uh, and, and safety uh, uh, kind of rundown uh, before members uh, tried uh, to stand up and uh, go into the water with their stand-up paddle boards. So it was great. The first event we had, I believe over 20 bookings. We separated it into two time slots for members to ensure everything was safe. The second event, again, we had around 20 bookings. And the third event, we had also around 20 bookings. What we did for these events is that we would work with members on meetup groups or women running groups. Our first event was in partnership with a women's run here in Toronto. And so we would work with groups that would bring their community members together in a fun and a safe manner uh, to, first of all, support that owner by renting that item and understanding how creating an event, leveraging the sharing economy can be powerful and also building community as well. So the point was to network and, uh, with community members and, uh, and build a network here in the city and also like-minded community members that support the sharing economy. This model or, or, or this framework of events with Rockify Adventures is being implemented across the different cities where we have Rockify Marketplace. I believe Austin currently has a, an e-bike taco tour uh, in the mix uh, for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, this Saturday, we actually were having Toronto Scenic uh, e-bike tour in partnership uh, with the Zig e-bikes. But unfortunately, due to the um, newly presented mandate for COVID restrictions, uh, we had to cancel this event for Saturday. But we, when the restrictions allow us uh, for gatherings, we run Rockify Adventure events to, to showcase people that the sharing economy is just much more than renting an item between one person or another. It's actually community building uh, and, and events as well. 
if you notice with, with, with the watercrafts, uh, it was individual watercrafts. So you'd be with the stand up paddleboard or kayak yourself. Same with the electronic bike. You would be on that electronic bike on your own. We've also seen success in Vancouver as well with bobble soccer <laughs> <laughs> because it fit the theme of um, social distancing because you were, you would be in your own bubble while playing bubble soccer. So we focused on items that would uh, help keep members socially distant, but as well explore the sharing economy in such a difficult time of the year, which I think is a win uh, because it uh, showcases Rockify or the sharing economy as well as a, um, as a opportunity based type of solution. Definitely. That's, it sounds like so much fun. Not only is it like educational to be like, Hey, you know, you can like rent this, right. You don't need to buy it. But then you're also being like, just like come hang out and like have a fun time. That's, that's just so much fun. So if our listeners are interested in Recify, if they want to maybe attend an event when those are back up and running, how do, how can they find you? What's your social media handles, all that jazz? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we uh, usually post the events on Eventbrite, the city's name that it's operating in to make it accessible for everyone. But we also do uh, promote the event on uh, Facebook and meetup groups on our socials as well. Uh, we are on Instagram under the Instagram handle Rockify, R-U-C-K-I-F-Y. And on Twitter as well with the handle Rockify, and on LinkedIn too, uh, with the handle uh, Rockify. Members can also um, head to our website, rockify.com, to browse on there to, about Rockify. They can uh, take a look at our tree project and our initiative with the Eden Reforestation product. Uh, and we also have a referral program on there. Members are interested in sharing the word of the sharing economy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Siad, for joining us on this week's episode of The Inner Circle. I hope you had a great time hanging out. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I learned a lot from our conversation and I hope uh, our viewers do too as well. Uh, It was a pleasure speaking with you, Erin. And really after this conversation, I'm more motivated than ever and a believer in the sharing economy. And I'm looking forward to what initiatives like Impact Zero and the Circular Economy of Toronto can do to change the landscape uh, of the circular economy and also to be able to change people's mindsets uh, for a brighter, more greener, sustainable future that depends on people coming together more than ever post this pandemic and uh, working together to empower each other, but also being mindful of their environmental footprint while doing so. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Inner Circle. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation, you can visit our website at impactzero.ca. You can also find us on Instagram at impactzero.ca and as well on LinkedIn, Impact Zero Foundation. Thanks again for hanging out with us today and we'll see you next week.